0: Harden going to sign their extension. But his trade value is not there. And when you hear reports... He'll have been paid $16 million of his $33 million salary. I know about people that have certain clauses what in their What happens contract. next year with Giannis Antetokounmpo? He will be eligible for a Superbacks next summer. If he re-signs a new reality, the players are going to vote. Are, are, are not going to want to spend their whole you know, life. And because they didn't want to go
1: into the penalty of the luxury tax, they traded James Harden. Somebody's going to be making $50 he million. Dollars to find a year. Home. He probably could have made a little bit more money this summer in free I agency. I think he could have got a lot more in
0: the offseason. You got a chance to secure the bag. You, got CGA, you man. No question. Yeah. what's going on party people I am your host Stephen Bagel and this is sports ethos's very own the bird rights podcast with me today we have David Williams from the ethos Grizzlies podcast um, for those of you who are interested in what the Grizzlies are going to do this, um offseason or just interested in the Grizzlies in general you should be they're the biggest up and coming team in the NBA second best record in the NBA this past year with I believe the second youngest roster go listen to David and Isaac there but David how are we doing today
1: man I'm good good excited we are getting super close to summer league when well, I think that the first one starts in Salt Lake City what the fifth is that right is that the first uh, summer league game
0: I thought it was the seventh, but it could be the fifth. I'm not, I know it's that big. Okay. I
1: know that we are super close, we are like minus two weeks away from it. So I'm ready.
0: Oh, well, no, you said Salt Lake City. I know the um, Vegas one starts the 7th, so the fifth sounds right.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know. Um, I have to look that up to, to be for sure because I don't want to miss anything, but just looking forward to it, man. I studied the draft a ton. That's something. Um, when I got into dynasty basketball, it's something that I really started digging into, and then started doing the podcast stuff. And I'm like, man, this is useful information. We can use this on the show, and so it made me, you know, dig even deeper. So there's a lot of rookies in this class that I like that went to destinations that I like. So I'm I'm interested to watch to see what these guys are able to do, including the guys that the Grizzlies took.
0: Yeah. And basically what we're going to do today is David and I are going to go through each team that did anything on draft night. That was 27 of the 30 NBA teams. And, you know, just basically give them a letter grade on how they did from A plus to F, essentially. Um, We will talk about any trades that were made, what we think of those, because as you guys know, That's my aspect of things, the whole front office aspect, which I guess the whole draft is the front office aspect of the league, but nonetheless, um, we could get started with the Orlando Magic, who, at number one, kind of shocked everybody taking Paolo Bancaro, number one, and then they ended up taking Caleb Houston at 32, so again... These grades we're going to give are very rough numbers because, obviously, you know, we're basing it on how we think these guys are going to be as prospects and how they're going to fit on these teams. Five years from now, these grades are going to be completely different based off, you know, who exceeded expectations, who ended up being – I don't like using the word bust, but who didn't live up to expectations, essentially. So, again, these are very raw grades. This is not even a week after the draft, but these are just our initial reactions. So, for Orlando, I gave them a C+. Plus. Just because of the aspect that I had Paolo number five on my board, I believe he was, and they took him number one. Um, So, I I mean, I I suppose they went for the ceiling play over the floor play in Paolo over Jabari Smith. But I just I don't love the fit of Paolo in Orlando. So what do you think about Paolo and what do you think about him fitting with um, this Magic roster?
1: So I, I didn't have him as far down as you did. I didn't have him at five, but I liked his fit in Houston significantly more. Yep, that's than, exactly what than, I was in than thinking. his fit a, a, in Orlando. So it, it was really weird because leading up to the draft, all you heard is it's Jabari one. Anything else that you're hearing is just smoke and mirrors. And in the morning of the draft, here comes Woj, and he's like that, you know, there's growing, you know, it's, it's, it's getting steam here that, uh, the, the magic going to go with Banchero instead of Jabari. So overall for a grade, I, I like, I like Banchero. I like his game. And I think that he's going to be a, a successful player in the league. Uh, but I feel like his ability to be like a playmaker as a big is going to be stifled in, in Orlando. So, a yeah, little bit weird. Um, and you know, that they, they didn't, you told me the day of the draft, they didn't even work him out. And I thought that was really funny that you would draft a guy and and you can, you know, they've got plenty of access to film and they you won't convince me that they didn't know what they were doing, right? Like it's they all the smoke and mirror stuff that you hear about, you know, Jabari's one and then they end up going banchero. I think the magic had their mind made up long before this I think it's really really hard to believe that the morning of the draft is when they decided to change gears but yeah I like the the Caleb Houston pick at at 32 Um, he had a lot of hype but like early in this draft season and Mm -hmm. then just didn't really play well at Michigan and so you wonder what's going to happen with him is he going to get to league and be able to develop but I, I'm definitely going to keep an eye on him. He's the guy that I liked early in the draft process and where they ended up getting, him was, was great value. But um, I think with the roster as currently constructed, I think that Jabari would have better been a better fit day one for the magic. So I, I like your grade there. Um, you know, CC C plus it's probably right around that range and it's not a slide on, on Banchero at all. It's just kind of a fit thing, but I'm also a, a big fan of best player available. And so if your scouts, you know, they're they're doing their due diligence when they're digging into these guys. And so that they're gonna this is who we think is best player available. And at number one, you know, you don't have to worry about it. You go out and you get the guy that you want. So they, they definitely or I would think that they took their time and uh landed on Banchero as being the number one guy in this draft. And and I don't yep. I, I don't agree with that. I, I would have had him probably four on my board because I'm worried about what he's gonna be able to do defensively.
0: Yeah, and that's the big concern, but maybe the fit between Wendell Carter and Jonathan Isaac or Franz Wagner, maybe, you know, they could deal with that defensive liability. So that's the one upside I could think of with him landing in Orlando over Houston. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the one thing the Magic proved to me that if I, had, if I had to pick one NBA team to keep my deepest, darkest secret, it would be the Orlando Magic because I don't think anybody saw that coming with the bank chero pick. So number two, the Oklahoma city thunder. We saw them at number two, initially Shams tweeted that they were going to take Jabari Smith. And then they ended up taking Chet Holmgren. They then took um, Usman Dieng, or well, they traded to get pick 11 to draft Usman Dieng. They traded away three first round picks, uh, Top 18 protected 2023 Detroit first, a lottery protected Washington first in 23, and a Denver 23 lotto protected first. So odds are only one of those picks are going to convey next year. The other ones will continue to be protected for multiple other years, most likely, depending how quickly Detroit and Washington could, you know, um, progress. But so they did that for D'Ang, and then they took Jalen. They took the two Jalen Warriors. They took the one from Santa Clara 12 and the one from Arkansas 34. I ultimately gave them B minus. If, if this was any other team in the league, I would have knocked them even harder for giving up three first round picks to, you know, get another, to get one pick, even though it was 11 and to use that pick on D'Ang, who's a very raw prospect. But given the assets that OKC has accumulated, they are the one team that were able to get away with this and have it actually look positive in retrospect.
1: I realize that they gave up a lot of assets, but with the protections that are on those picks, is it? I don't think those assets are as valuable as what they – Like when you first look at this trade, you see they gave up three first round picks to move up to eleven to get Uzwan. It's like mm, that—that's a little bit tough. I don't know that I'm willing to give up that much to move up to that spot. If I'm giving up three first round picks, I'm thinking moving higher up. You know, you know, single digits, four, five, six, seven, somewhere in that area, maybe even higher. Um, But. We've always are, at least people that I've been around with NBA conversation, what, what is Presty going to do with all these picks? He can't execute all of these picks. There's no way with the the amount of picks that he has accumulated over the years. They they just can't. It's not feasible for them to execute all of those picks. So at some point we knew that he was going to have to cash those in in order to go after a guy that he likes. And Usman Jang is a guy that I feel like fits their mold. Like that, that's the style, the type of player that they go after. And I'm just sitting here thinking about the length that can be on the floor with that team. If you have a lineup of Josh giddy at the one, Usman Jane, uh, Chet Holmgren, um, oh, Poku, it, like they, they can run just a ridiculously long lineup out there. That's going to be really hard to defend And those guys, we don't know how Dang is going to work out on the defensive end. But uh, I I actually, I wasn't as harsh on them because of that trade. I know the three first round is is pretty steep. But I'm also a huge fan of going out and getting your guy. So, if this is the guy, he's on the board at 11, and they're like, okay, this is our guy. We've got the assets. We're going to go ahead and execute it. The fact that they were able to get to 11 without giving up 12 blew my mind. I'm like, there's no way that they moved up to 11 and they didn't give up 12 and that's exactly what they were able to do because of the other picks that they gave. So I get asset management wise, if it wasn't a team that, that had, you know, if you're looking at say a team that like the Grizzlies that don't have that many extra assets and the Grizzlies are in a decent place as far as that, but the Grizzlies don't have three first rounders that they can just sling at a guy Um but yeah, I, I like it. I, I think that they had one of the best drafts as far as talent wise. I really like Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara a ton. He was a guy that really rocketed up the board late and then um, going out and getting the other Jalen Williams from Arkansas. I, I know um, our, our guy from all rookie podcast, um, him and, and Brad both from the, the ethos Hawks podcast. They were both really high on Jalen Williams out of Arkansas, giving him a first round grade and, you know, getting him, what, what was it, 32? Is that where they took the 34. second 34. You know, that that's uh, at some point in order to keep a guy like SGA around, this team is going to have to start competing. And I think that the moves that they made this year gets them one step closer. I think that we – I don't expect them to do what we've seen them do in the past few years where you see the players play well early and in the second half of the season they get shut down. I think that we start seeing this OKC team begin to develop this talent and see what they can do. Um, you know, I, I still don't expect this team to be super good. You know, the the West is going to be tougher this next season. But, you know, you start you, – you've got good talent. You've got Giddy. you got, you know, Poku when he was starting. He, he had stretches where he looked really good. You get a guy like Chet, uh, Jalen Williams, both of those guys, I think are going to be able to contribute day one. And so you've got a, a, a young rotation, and you can throw these guys out there and see as who, who's going to be the best and who needs to stay on this team moving forward.
0: Yeah, and it looks like they're ready to cash in on some of those assets and start really consolidating. So I, you knew they couldn't really play this long game forever, couldn't keep asset um, accumulating. So it, it looks like they're ready to finally start pushing those chips in. Um, I did pull up the pick protections on those picks they acquired. The Denver 2023 is most likely to convey. Odds are Denver's not going to be in the lottery next year unless something catastrophic happens to Nikola Jokic, knock on wood. But um, for the 2023 Detroit first, it's eight, top 18 protected next year and in 2024, top 13 protected in 25, top 11 protected in 26, top nine protected in 27, and then... Um, if not, then it conveys to a second round pick. But, I, I mean, Detroit with Cade Cunningham and Jay and Ivy in town, I can't imagine them still not being in the playoffs by 2027. So, at some point, that will be a first round pick. For Washington, it's lottery protected in 23, top 12 protected in 24, top 10 protected in 25, and top 8 in 26. Same thing, then will convey to a second. So, I, I anticipate all three of the Knicks – basically did get, we'll get into them when we get to pick, um, pick 11. But they, they did basically acquire three first. We just don't know what year they're going to, you know, what year they'll convey. But good for them. I mean, the Knicks are always looking to, let, let's just talk about the Knicks now since I'm on the topic and they traded with OKC. But, you know, the Knicks whole thing is, okay, let's keep the cash space open to retain a star or let's get the assets to trade for one. So, you know, we can finally get our guy. It looks like more likely than not, they're going to get Jalen Brunson this summer. So now the question is, sure, can you attach all three of these first round picks that you got for trading out of 11 in order to, and of course they got off Kemba Walker's money to open up another nine million cap space. Can you attach that to a Julius Randle to really get like, I don't know, like a Donovan Mitchell type or somebody like that? So that's the thing we need to look up for the Knicks now that they have all these... Newfound
1: draft picks and toe. Yeah, I know a lot of Knicks fans, just from the, the sound that you heard at the draft, they were not happy with the fact that the Knicks, you, you heard them booing. And, and a lot of people were like, why, why are the Knicks fans booing Uzman Jang? I'm like, man, they're not booing Uzman Jang. They're booing the Knicks because they traded out of that draft. But, you know, you've got a guy in R.J. Barrett that I think that they believe in. And so you, you have to get pieces around him to help make him better. At some point, and I think they're there, I think they've realized that that Julius Randle is not the guy that they need to be building around, that R.J. Barrett is that guy. So you go out – I don't know that I'm a fan of paying Jalen Brunson. You know, the, the reports are he's going to get, you know, four years and and upwards of $100 million. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know that I agree with that. I, I think Jalen Brunson is, is a good player. He showed his value in Dallas this year. but um, to me, uh, a four year 120 or you know 100 plus million dollar contract goes to a franchise changing guy and, and to me, Jalen Brunson is not that. I think that he pairs well with RJ Barrett. Um, but another thing look, look at the coach. like Tibbs does not play young guys. And so if I'm the franchise, I'm looking to move these picks to get guys that he's going to play to give us the best chance to win. And m- maybe that was the mindset behind moving out of this pick. Yeah, you get you get those assets that you can pair with Julius Randle to go out and get somebody that's going to play well next to R.J. Barrett, whoever that is. Um, I don't, I, I'd probably give the Knicks – I think honestly, probably a B for, for this draft. I know they didn't they didn't end up drafting anybody. They later in the they draft. took
0: Trevor Keels from Duke at forty two. So okay. and that's somebody I like. I gave them a B plus. So we're in the same range.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's I, I I like Trevor Keels. I like what he brings to the table. I don't know that he's going to be a contributor year one for them, but you know, like I say, it doesn't. I, I will I will guarantee he's not going to be a contributor year one because Tibbs doesn't. Yeah, Tibbs. Play I was going to
0: say no rookies yeah. under. Tibbs is yep. a contributor.
1: And that's a, it's the wildest thing because you know you, you've got uh, Obi Toppin is, in my opinion, the second best player on this team by a pretty wide margin. And then you have um quickly, and so, you know, you've got three young players with an RJ Barrett, Obi Toppin, and Quickly, and then you have a coach that doesn't really necessarily like playing young players. It just feels like an odd pairing there, man.
0: Yeah. And again, I think the Knicks have the great right idea of moving this pick um, for, as I said, three likely first rounders. And it, it looks like they, they have 16 million cap space right now. Brunson's, again, going to cost probably about 25 million a year. We just talked about that four for 100 contract. And it looks like they're going to actually be able to move Nolan's Noel to the Clippers in their trade exception. So that, you know, that's another $9 million, That gets them to $25 million. So it looks like Evan Fournier is going to stick around, unless they have subsequent moves that they have up their sleeves. But, I mean, I think the Knicks did what they needed to do to get off of Kemba Walker, get off of Nerlands, get additional assets in order to, you know, get the guy they've been coveting all year, and they did that. So good for them for doing what they had to get done in order to accomplish what they wanted to accomplish. So the number three pick was a Houston Rockets. This one I'm I'm not even gonna analyze that much. I gave them an A plus. Jabari Smith, they got a three. He was number one on my board. Tari Eason, they had at they got at 17. He was actually number three on my board. I was bigger on Tari Eason than I was on Paulo Bancaro. Man. And then they ended up trading 26 for 29 and two seconds with, I believe it was Minnesota. So, and then at, and then at that pick, they got Ty Ty Washington, who I actually projected them to get at 17 in my mock draft. So uh, they got value on all three of these guys, I think was an absolute home run. And for that reason, I give them an A plus.
1: Yeah. I I like it, man. I don't really have, I'm not as high on Tari Eason as a lot of people are. I definitely didn't have, you know, I didn't do a big board. Um, Just, it might be something that I, I do next year. But uh, I don't want to shortchange it. You know, there's a lot of guys that put a lot of time into it, and I don't just want to throw something together, just like, oh, I've watched 12 prospects, so I can throw a board together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I see some guys that, that put the boards together, and it's like, dude, I don't know if you've watched enough film to really be putting a board together because some of these guys that you have ranked, I, I yeah, it's just weird. So I, I agree with, with the Rocket stuff. I, I love what they were able to do. Um, defensively, with Jabari and Tari, and I think that Tari is going to be a great defender day one. Um, we're, we're about his offense, and I love Ty Ty ever since he came to the Iverson Class Classic in Memphis and won the three point shootout. I'm, I'm like, man, I can't wait to see this kid play in the league. And he goes to a spot where there's a chance that he could get himself some playing time year one, and I, and I think that's great.
0: Yeah, I, I, he's probably the long-term point guard, though, if he pans out. Because, one, he's a Kentucky guard, and Kentucky guards so rarely fail. fail. Mm-hmm. But Kevin Porter Jr. with, again, I don't want to say attitude problem, but clearly he needs some kind of help. And the Cavs didn't provide it to him. It doesn't, I don't know. I know the Rockets do have John Lucas, who is one of the better player development guys in regard to you know, getting guys more disciplined, getting them to, for lack of a better term, get their head out of their asses in some cases. I'm not saying that's the case with Kevin Porter Jr. at all. But, I mean, if there's a guy that could fix Kevin Porter Jr., it would be him. And last year, those issues with him and Christian Wood getting in, I think it was one isolated incident, but even so, that's not good for a guy who basically was just stumped to them because of his attitude. So I I preface that to say that I'm – I'm not sure he's the long term answer at point guard if he even is a point guard. So that's where the tie tie Washington would come in.
1: Yeah. We were, um, we were having a draft discussion and I don't want to hammer too long on this Rockets pick, but I really love Jaden Ivey. For me, Jaden Ivey was the second best player in this draft.
0: I had him number two as well.
1: And I had no idea. First off, I didn't think Jabari was going to be on the board. I thought he was going one to the Magic. And I'm like, if I'm Houston and Jabari is off the board, I, I'm taking Jaden Ivey because Jaden Ivey's upside is significantly higher than what Kevin Porter Jr.'s is, and I realize that Kevin Porter is a young guy, but I just because a guy is young, it wouldn't stop me from drafting a guy that I feel like has a higher ceiling, and I think Jaden Ivey is going to be a better NBA player than Kevin Porter Jr., and I, I would have loved Jalen and and, uh, and Jaden that that... Uh, and the, those two guys playing together, I, I think it could have been electric.
0: Yeah. Okay. So then let's move on to the Kings, since we're talking about Jaden Ivy. They took Keegan Murray at four, which they kind of showed their cards when, one, it came out, Jaden Ivy didn't want to play in Sacramento, and they wanted to trade the pick. But they really showed their cards when it came out. I think it was a Kings beat reporter basically announced that, or he tweeted something along the lines of the Kings were flying Keegan Murray out to have dinner with DeMontis, Sabonis, and DeAaron Fox. So once that happened, I said, okay, there's no way they're flying him out to dinner if they're not going to take him one way or another, whether that's through a trade with Detroit and they trade down to five or six and take like, there's just no way. So they, they did end up staying pat. They took Keegan Murray at four over Jaden Ivey, who I agree with you. Jaden Ivey is the second best player on this draft class. But again, De'Aaron Fox hasn't progressed in two years. You had a better asset at guard than De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton, and you traded him, and then you passed on another goal that's going to be better than De'Aaron Fox because Keegan Murray fit better and because he doesn't want to be there. But last year, Davion Mitchell, I'm pretty sure, said he don't play for Sacramento, and they drafted him anyway, and he put up and shut up. So I don't know why they were so discouraged from taking Ivy. But as a result, I gave them a D. I mean, they, they, they passed on... Clearly, those are top four in whatever order people want to give it. And, you know, they had number four and they didn't execute.
1: So the my grade for them is a little bit higher. I, I really love Keegan Murray. And you look at what Monty's been doing in Sacramento since he's got there, since he arrived and he's taken over the basketball operations It feels like he has had more control over this team than any recent GM that we've seen in Sacramento, and he has a player type. He he has guys that he's targeting. You look at that uh, the Bucks trade when they were going to send Bogey to the Bucks and get uh, Divincenzo in return, Mm -hmm. and then that you know it got leaked too early, and so the league voided it because of tampering and all of that. But he has a type. He has a certain type of player that he likes. Tyrese Halliburton was a guy that was his type. They drafted him. And my thing is this. I, I talked to Jill. She is our Sacramento Kings at uh, the Ethos King Show. She's a host of that show. And I had an extended conversation with her about it. And she really – she brought to light a few things that I didn't think about initially because, to, to me, there's no way that you trade Halliburton, right? Like, you, you just don't do it. Like, he, he is a guy – on their roster at the time that probably had the highest upside. But they had De'Aaron Fox under contract. He was harder to move. And even if you did move him, you were not going to get the type of return that they got for Halliburton. So if you move De'Aaron Fox, you're never going to get a player the caliber of Sabonis in return to pair with Halliburton. And I get that short-term – May like long term, it's not the best move. I I think that getting rid of Halliburton long term is not the best move. But the goal out there is to turn this team around and get them into the playoffs to break this drought. And Keegan Murray, out of the top five guys that came off the board, he's the most NBA ready player out of all of them, in my opinion. And I think that because of that, them getting Keegan Murray here, he's going to be a great fit. And I think he's going to shut a lot of people up, man. I'm. I would say because of passing on a guy like Jaden Ivey, it could come back and completely haunt them. But when they traded Halliburton, I'm like, I don't see how they justify taking Jaden Ivey here unless they're going to take him to trading. Because what have you, like if you take Jaden Ivey, where do you play him? Because you can't play him, Fox, and yet Davion Mitchell together. The lineup's too small. And so it would just kind of create a a logjam of talent and really th- throw things out of whack. I, I like the Keegan Murray pick because of the fit. I'm not a fan that early in the draft taking fit over best player available, but I, I do kind of have a little I, – I guess I want to see Monty McClary turn this – I want to see this franchise turn around because if you're on Twitter and you deal with any, any fan bases, you know the, the Kings have a ton of fans that are extremely loyal to that team, even though that team has been bad for a long time. And so I want to see it for the fans, the people that have been loyal to that team. I want them to be a playoff team. And, and, and again, I think Keegan Murray was a, the most NBA-ready.
0: Yeah, no, that, that's fair. I mean, I think, again, I, I know you're not arguing that Jaden Ivey isn't the superior prospect, but in the aspect of you saying Keegan Murray is the most NBA-ready guy at that point, you're probably right. So um, we'll have to see. I know the Kings do usually play significantly better with Harrison Barnes at the four, now they'll have to play him at the three in between Bones and Sabonis and then Fox and whether it's Mitchell or DiVincenzo, whoever they play at the two. We'll have to see how that line of configuration plays out. Yeah. So meanwhile – go ahead. No,
1: no, you're good. I, we, we can move on. We, we, we talked about that for a while, and we still got a number of teams to go through. Go ahead.
0: So the Detroit Pistons, I gave them same thing as the Rockets and A-plus just because I think Jaden Ivey is that good. They took him at five, and they took – Gabriel Proceda at 36. He's, I would imagine, a draft and stash, but I'm not sure. But, I mean, Ivy really is, you know, to me he's a combination of John Moran in regard to his speed, burst, and athleticism, but he has the length and also athleticism of Donovan Mitchell. So he's somewhere in the middle there, and, again, he shoots like he's a combination of those players where I think he's a little bit shooter a little bit better of a shooter than Moran was when he came out, but worse than Mitchell was when he declared. So that's my compliment. And for Detroit to pair him with Cade Cunningham, I mean, we're talking about potentially, I know, again, they're both teenagers right now, but we're talking about, at some point, a historically good backwards potentially.
1: Yeah, and and not to mention, you didn't even mention the trade to land Jalen Duren. You know, they get, in my opinion, they got two of probably the seven best players in this draft. And I don't know how you give them anything other than an A for, for that, man. It just fantastic job navigating this draft. They go out and they get a guy to pair with Cade Cunningham. And that, you know, that starting lineup looks looks pretty beefy. You know, I, I, they're young. There's still some development to do. You're talking about Ivy and Cunningham, Sadiq Bey, Jalen Duren, um, Man, I, I'm losing their lineup. I, I I should have a depth chart up here. Um, so Isaiah Stewart. Them. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know that they'll start Stewart next to, to Jalen Duran, but, you know, I, I like Jalen Duran's ability, like super athletic, and he, he's going to be able to switch. His length is going to be great. He's going to be a fantastic rim protector. And he didn't have a good pick-and-roll guard at Memphis, so we don't know that there's a lot of untapped potential there with him. And Jalen Duran already has that NBA body he, coming out uh, of Memphis, he's not as small as a lot of the big men. You know, like if you go back and you look at pictures of Joel Embiid coming out of Kansas and you look at him now, you can tell that he added a ton of muscle. Five years down the road, I don't know that Jalen, like Jalen Duran's probably going to be a little more cut but I don't know that he's going to be any bigger because he's already like his body is already matured. He has an NBA body day one. And that that's, yeah, like I said, for me, if I was making a board, Jalen Ivey, Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran would have been in the top seven. And so, you know, kudos to the the Pistons front office for going out and making this a, a phenomenal young core, arguably, you know, you could say one of the best young cores in basketball right now with what they've got going on up there.
0: Yeah, and they have upwards of $40 million in cap space, even after acquiring Kemba Walker and subsequently buying him out, but I mean, they were supposed to be big players on DeAndre Aiden. They they were actually the biggest favorite that if DeAndre Aiden left the Suns, that's the team he would go to. So I'm interested to see now that they got Durin and they have Isaiah Stewart, if you know they'll still be in the Aiden sweepstakes, because when Aiden first came out, um, his draft year, he said, I'm not a center. I'm a power forward. So it wouldn't shock me. And Stewart and Duran are both, uh, st- more Stewart than Duran could play the four because he's only 6'9", and he's switchable in a sense. I think Duran, he has good hip flexibility as well. So he could be pretty switchable and defend the perimeter. So I think with between the three of them, you could that could be your power forward and your center. And then, you know, you withdraw Marvin Bagley's qualifying offer, and those are your three big men. So, I mean, they're going to have to do something with that cap space. Clearly, you know, they dumped Jeremy Grant in order to create that $21 million um, in cap space. So, we'll have to see what they do with it. But that, that'll be intriguing. I can't imagine them still being in the Jalen Drunson sweepstakes, given that, one, it looks like he's good in the next, and two, they now have Jaden Ivey along with Cade. But what we'll have to see, maybe they'll just do a happy medium and go after a Miles Bridges type. But, I mean, Detroit, from everything I've read and what I've heard, had big plans with that cap space.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're, they're in a great position, man, for sure.
0: So, number six, we have the Indiana Pacers. They got Benedict Mathoran at six, who is apparently better than LeBron James at basketball. <laughs> um, Andrew Nemhard at 31 out of Gonzaga, and Kendall Brown at 48 from Baylor, who I absolutely love. I had Kendall Brown top 25, I mm. believe, in this class. So, getting him at 48, they only traded away 20, 26, second pick picking some cash in order to trade up to get him. Midthorne, I like. I, I don't know how much upside there is just because a lot of speculation on him was that he's never going to be an a go-to scorer. He's always going to be the second or tertiary option on a team. But I, I think that view was overrated. I, I do think that he does have the potential to maybe be a secondary scorer. It's very difficult in today's league to be the primary guy. But yeah, at six, no complaints. Andrew Nemhard, same thing. He's going to be a solid backup point guard. Guarantee you, he has an eight-year career at least. Um, I, I gave him a B plus.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like it. To to me, getting getting Kendall Brown at forty-eight, I'm not letting that grade drop below a B because it, uh, I'm with you. I, I thought that he was first-round talent. There's some questions about his game. But I think that he's a player coming out of this draft. You you look at these guys, and some of these guys are going to take some time to really develop into their final self. Some of these guys are going to take some time to develop to be able to contribute day one. And I feel like Kendall Brown defensively would be helpful day one for that team. And so I I, I like it. And his path to minutes is not crowded. That you know, depending on what they do in the off season. Right now, they don't have a guy that is a true small forward on that roster.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I I agree. So, we'll have to see. I think he will get pretty substantial playing time to start the – I mean, Vic Carlisle apparently has embraced the rebuild. So, I don't think he's going to be afraid to, you know, give some of these younger guys extended run.
1: Yeah, I mean – if, if I'm Indiana, I'm leaning into it, right? I'm trying any any of these, the bigger contracts that they have. I'm looking for guys that are on expiring. You know, Brogdon's still under contract for, is it three more years? Miles Turner is expiring, so maybe you can keep him around. But he's the type of asset that I would rather trade him now and get some assets because he's a fantastic rim protector. Rep- Holy crap! Sorry, can't talk. All of a sudden, he's a fantastic rim protector, and he can stretch the floor. So you can go out and get some assets in return for Miles Turner. Um, you know, Dallas gets Christian Wood, so that takes a, a team that was looking for a big man kind of off of the table. But there are plenty of teams that could use, uh, you know, Miles Turner and and his skill set. So, you know, I, I'm looking. I'm shopping doing everything I can to try and find expiring contracts and to get assets in return. And let some of these young guys, Isaiah Jackson was fantastic when he got a run last year. So, you know, I, I want to see him get more minutes. Let these guys that you drafted get Kendall Brown in there, working with, with your shooting coaches, work on that shot for him, and just let him develop. You know, Herb Jones is a guy that was a good defender in college, and there was questions about what he was going to be able to do at the NBA level offensively and he got in there in the summer, he worked on that shot, he got to where he could knock down that three-pointer, and his defense played him in the minutes. I think that Kendall Brown can kind of see that same path for this team.
0: Yeah, um, I, again, love Kendall Brown at that pick. Um, and we go to Miles Turner. I actually think I envisioned something along the lines of a Miles Turner and Chris Duarte for a DeAndre Aiden in the sign trade, and then Turner would subsequently sign an extension with Phoenix. That would be something I'd love for Indiana. I wouldn't hate it if Indiana traded Brogdon and healed to the Lakers to get Russell Westbrook attached with the 2027 first and 2029 first, just because Westbrook, yes, the contract's bad, but he's going to be expiring next year. You're getting two first-round picks and shedding salary. Maybe you could get more if you trade Brogdon and Heald individually, but you'd probably take on more longer-term money. So it would really be a preference of what Indiana wants to do.
1: Yeah, I don't like that trade. Not a Lakers fan. I don't want to see anything to help that team out. So that's the yeah, hater. Yeah, but then that's you the get
0: the picks. Right? picks in 27 and 29 when they suck again.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that would be fantastic if that worked out for, uh, you know, for Indy if they were able to make that trade because that would give them the future assets to – uh assets to be able to uh, finish up the rebuild for sure.
0: Okay. So then the new Orleans Pelicans, they took Dyson Daniels from G league United eight, EJ Liddell at 41 and Carlo Makovic at 52, most likely a draft and sash guy. So the Pelicans only really have one open roster spot right now, but they have two guys that could really help them right now in Daniels and Liddell. So I'm going to like to see what kind of subsequent move is made in order to, you know, make that room. But I ultimately gave them B B-plus because, again, I think they're ready to take that next step. And, you know, a perimeter defensive duo of Dyson Daniels and Herb Jones, you have EJ Liddell who could contribute right away and play behind Zion and Larry Nance Jr. Even play some small ball five if necessary if you need to stretch the floor next to Zion. I I like what they did.
1: Yeah, same, man. That is... They don't have a true point guard on that team, and I think Dyson Daniels can be that for this team, and and I love him defensively. So they're going to be tough next year. If that team can stay healthy, they'll be a a contender in the West for sure.
0: Yeah, and again, I'm not a big proponent on drafting for fit. I'd rather draft for best player available. But, I mean, they were so loaded on the wing. They don't really need a center. And, you know, with Devontae Graham so far not being very underwhelming in um, New Orleans, you know, that, that was the one need that had somebody play alongside C.J. McCollum, and they got exactly that. Yeah.
1: So do you think you, you said that you're not exactly a fan of fit there on the board at eight? You know, I think Jalen Duran is a guy that I would say probably I would have over him just on a big board, not necessarily fit related. But past that, was there anybody else that was on the board here that you felt was a better prospect than, than Daniels?
0: Jeremy Sohan. Uh, I love Jeremy Sohan. And I, uh, to me, he's like, he's a player in the Scotty Barnes, Ben Simmons, Draymond Green ilk. So if he could really develop that shot, I think he's really going to be like a two way unstoppable force because he's a switchable guy, could defend one through five, love everything um, about him. So, but I have no problem with Daniels. I mean, yes, I am a big, bigger proponent of taking the best guy available over fit. But if you're a playoff team the same way the Pelicans are, I understand taking a guy who might not be the best available, but fits significantly better.
1: Sure. Okay.
0: I... I just talked about Sohan, so we'll get to San Antonio in a second. But I realize we skipped pulled I don't want to forget about them. So Pulden took Shaden Sharp at number seven, who might have the high upside in the draft, some would say. I- I'm not so sure. He was the 2023 number one top recruit coming out of high school, reclassified to Kentucky, and sat out the year. So we haven't really seen him play competitive basketball in some time. And then they got Jabari Walker out of Colorado at 57. I gave them a C-plus just because Polden's – should have been rebuilding. They chose not to. They traded CJ McCollum. Did everything they can to, you know, retool at the deadline, but build around Dame. Then they, then they made the Jeremy Grant trade, signaling, okay, yes, we are ready to get back in the playoffs. And then said taking a player who could help them win. Now, they, they took Shaden up. Sharp, who's most likely going to be a project. So that that's my that's my trepidation with it.
1: So I don't know, and I haven't heard anything about this since. But I heard rumblings on draft night that Toronto really liked Shaden Sharp, and Portland, you know, it's been reported multiple times that they would love to be able to get OG Ananobi from Toronto, and so there were people speculating that Portland made this pick with the hopes that if they take Shaden Sharp here, they can use him as part of the package to go and get OG Ananobi. But I I agree with you. I I, if I'm given, I like. walker where they took i I love him like defensively i'm a big fan of guys that are good defenders in college because defense tends to translate these guys that are big you know they put up the popcorn numbers or you know 18 20 point score in college that doesn't always translate but generally guys that are good defenders in college that can move up to the next level and so I, i like him there but, yeah, the, the Shaden Sharp pick is definitely head-scratching. If they don't eventually move him to get more of a win-now piece out of that, um, it, it seems like they're playing both sides of the fence of, you know, win-now versus I need to have something for the future.
0: Which makes sense because that's what they've been doing for years. But I think it's going to come down to Dam ultimately asking out maybe after this year and them having to, you know, do that. and start actually rebuilding, which they haven't done in quite some time. So we'll, we'll have to see how that plays out. So San Antonio, we just talked about Jeremy Sohan at number nine. They also took Malachi, Branham at 20, and Blake Wesley at 25. Wesley, I'm not posting a huge fan of, but I know plenty of people on draft Twitter are. Um, my issue with him right now is that he can't finish or get to the rim, and he can't shoot. So I think he's going to be such a liability, but he can't create for others. So I, I think he's going to be such a liability on offense that – It doesn't matter how much he could create, how good he is defensively. But he's definitely a raw prospect. And, you know, if that develops and he puts it all together, he'll be very good. Malachi Branham shot 50-40-80 at a Power 5 conference in Ohio State as a freshman. That's nothing to scoff at. I had him as a lottery pick. They got him at 20. And I already said so. Handles number six on my board. I love him. I gave the Spurs an A because I think, you know, all three of those picks were good picks for them.
1: Yeah, I think I agree with you on that. The the teams to me that really nailed this draft, and and I know you kind of disagreed with the, the Oklahoma City Thunder part of it, but I thought the Thunder had a fantastic draft, the Spurs and the Detroit Pistons. Those three teams were head and shoulders better than everybody else on draft night.
0: Yeah, and again, the Spurs did very good moves at the trade deadline. They traded Derek White to get the Boston's pick. They traded Thaddeus Young in their seconds to get um, Toronto's pick, and as a result, they were able to get those three first-round picks, and that put them in position to do that. And now, you know, apparently DeJounte Murray is nearing um, – not a deal because he's not a free agent, but the Spurs are nearing a deal to get DeJounte Murray to Atlanta – Will they be getting at least three first round picks and two swaps, is what I read, which is a Drew Holiday type haul that they'd be getting. So I think the Spurs are already with how historic this 2023 draft class is supposed to be. I think they're ready to fully embrace the rebuild. And I think the guys that they drafted on Thursday are going to be big parts of that.
1: Yeah. And they're, they're completely ridiculously overloaded at guard. You have,
0: and they drafted you know, two more.
1: Primo was a guy that they took at 12 last year and everybody's like, what, what is going on? You know, Primo, th- th- there was, um, you a lot to like about him as far as size and athleticism. Um, but there were a lot of questions uh, about him as well. So them taking the 12 shocked everybody last year. Um, they still have Trey Jones who, when Murray was out, Trey Jones played fantastic. So they, they have guys that can take over the point. And you're never going to get more value for Dej- to, for DeJounte Murray than what you're going to get right now.
0: Yeah, that's so exactly correct. If,
1: if you're rebuilding, you have a guy, uh, uh, man, I, I butcher his name because I've not watched a ton of film on him yet, but I've watched some. Victor, is it Yama? Is that how you say his last I'm name? Wonyama
0: is yeah. how I, yeah.
1: So, you know, like they're saying that this kid is going to be a, a franchise changing player. And so if you lean into a full rebuild here, you increase your chance, you know, going like from being a play-in team. Okay. Now you're going to be a lottery team and you increase your opportunity to go out and get a kid like that. So, you know, there's not a guarantee. There's always a what if, but the, the best talent in the draft is typically, typically going to be in the first, you know, seven or eight picks. And then outside of that, periodically you're going to, you know, you're, you're going to strike, you know, catch lightning into the bottle, but being, being up in those top seven, to eight picks is, is where you're going to get the best talent. And so while I'm not a huge fan uh, of them moving Murray because, you know, not like that's your best player. I, I understand if they do end up making that happen.
0: So, yeah, again, you're not going to get higher value for DeJounte Murray than you all this off season. So again, completely understand it. Um, Washington, number 10, took Johnny Davis, and at 54, took Yannick and Zosa. I gave them an A-, minus because I love Johnny Davis' fit alongside Bradley Beal. Neither of them are really true point guards, and that's what the Wizards desperately need, especially if they keep Beal around. But I think between the two of them, they both have enough playmaking chops that they could make it work, and Davis will provide their perimeter defense that Beal sorely lacks. So I-, I like the fit a lot. I think Davis was just about the best player available at that point. So, um, obviously, aside from like Tar Easton, who realistically wasn't going to go that high. But, um, but yeah, so I, I like the fit. I like the pick, and I gave them an on Yeah,
1: yeah, I like it as well. I like so He was a guy that um, he's extremely raw, hadn't been playing the game very long, but gets up and down the floor extremely well. I think that given the right amount of time that he's going to develop and be a contributor on a good team, whether that happens in Washington or, you know, if he moves on, you know, go somewhere else, but, but this Washington team with, with Johnny Davis, Ria Hachemira, um, Denny, uh, I, I know that some people have already kind of given up on Denny Avia, but, uh, I still think that he can be a good NBA player. He showed he, he's been, it's crazy because he was like their best defender last year. Mm-hmm. And that is not something that I thought we would be saying about him whenever I was studying him in the draft. So, you know, even with Bill around, they've been forever stuck in the, you know, fringe playoff team. Uh, you know, John Wall, they, they just, they've never been able to get over the hump and I, I hope at some point they fully lean into a rebuild so they can get up there and get, you know, a, a top two or three picks so they can get a guy, a superstar type player to help solidify this young squad. Cause you know, B- Bill's nearing the, the end of his rope. So, at some point you would think that they have to make that shift, right?
0: Yeah, definitely. They, they have Holden syndrome where they don't want to blow it up even though they probably should. And they keep building around this one guy who's committed to the franchise and it's just not working. So number – let's move on to the Hornets. They traded number 13 where that was the Jalen Duran pick. And I actually would have loved Jalen Doran Doran, Duran, I'm not, it's spelled like Duran, but it's pronounced Doran. Either way, um, I-, I would have loved to spill with the mellow ball, as we know they desperately need a center. They did end up getting that center, taking Mark Williams at 15, but the problem with Jalen Doran at Memphis was that, you know, Imani Bates that point guard experiment failed miserably, and he didn't get to play with the true point guard. So him playing alongside the mellow ball would have been absolutely magnificent. But even so, they got Mark Williams at 15, they got Four seconds, and then was 2023 20, first for pick 13, and then they traded pick 45 and the next 2023 20, second for pick 40, which I don't love, but I love the player they took in Drace McAllen's. He was in my lottery, and as a result, because of that, I gave him a B. Plus.
1: Yeah, he was a guy that fell way further than I expected him to. Um, so I, I really I like that move. And, and I think that was okay. We're surprised that he's still out here, so we're gonna overpay to to move up to get him. You know, like New Orleans New Orleans is on the clock at forty one, and you gotta think that if, if McGowan's is still on the board whenever it gets to them, that they're gonna end up taking him. So, yeah, I, I, I like that move. I'm I'm happy with that grade. I, I think that they they done, you know, done what they could do um, when they first. They announced uh, the, the Duran pick there. I'm like, okay, they chose him over Mark Williams. That's good. And then, you know, here comes the trade. So it was a lock that they were going to get a big man this year. It would have been absolutely bonkers if somebody would have moved into 14 and took Williams from them. That would have just, to me, like, rocked the franchise. It's like, oh, man, you know, you need a center, and you got two here that, that are going to be NBA level players that are going to be able to contribute early and you just kind of let them walk, but uh, that, that didn't happen. So they're in good shape.
0: Yeah. And as you said, desperately needed a center. Um, Love McGowan's they, they kind of need wings as well, depending, especially if Cody Martin walks. So I love it for fit standpoint and for best player available standpoints. Next, we have the Cavs, who picked number 14. They took Ochai Agbaji at 14. They took Khalifa Jop at 39. They took Isaiah Mobley, who was Evan Mobley's brother, at 49. They took Luke Travers at 56. It is rare for a team to have four picks in the draft and for me not to get excited about any of them. But Cleveland found a way to pull that off. I gave them a plus. <laughs>
1: I, I like it. So you, you got something against Agbaje there at 14?
0: I don't have anything against him. It's just he is what he is. He's a very limited upside guy, which is fine. Cleveland needs wings. They're ready to win, it looks like. So I, I don't hate it from that standpoint, but I think I had him like 25 on my board. I mean, I, I just think they could have you know, done I I don't want to say better. But like If they took A.J. Griffin, I'd be a lot more excited about it. But I mean, Agbaji, I'm not sure the shooting even translates because I feel like the, this past year was an outlier. And then he's so small for the wing that I don't know if he's going to defend as well as he did in college. So, sure, he's supposed to be a surefire role player from day one, but I'm more I'm skeptical regarding that. Okay,
1: man, that that's fair. I like the pick just because it kind of signals what they're they're doing, right? This was not an upside swing pick. This was, okay, we were knocking on the door of the playoffs last season. Let's get a guy that can come in and contribute. And I think he's going to be able to do that. And, and you know, there's still questions. Is Sexton going to be there? Is he going to be gone? Um, and, you know, if he leaves, that opens up playing time for, i to you to play next to, um, oh, my goodness, man. My brain just, yeah, thank you. My brain just shut down there. I'm like, I know this kid's name, but it's not there right now. And, and, and I like that. I like that, you know, because at Kansas, he had a lot of weapons there with him. And and uh, and I, you corrected me on the pronunciation of this kid's name. It's spelled like Braun, but you said it's pronounced Brown. Is that right?
0: What, Christian Braun from Kansas? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's spelled Braun, but it's pronounced Brown. I okay. do the same thing with, yeah. yeah.
1: So, you know, like he, he, had, he had plenty of weapons there in Kansas alongside of him, but he was kind of the focal point for the defense's. And so I feel like you get to the NBA level and you can kind of play a little more off ball and not be the focal point for defenses. I think that you're going to see him kind of shine a little bit. Um, I got a little more faith in him than what you do uh, the, there. I think the defense is going to be solid, uh, whether he's going to be an elite defender at the next level, I don't know. But uh, I like that the, the Cavs, not that I'm a huge fan of the draft necessarily, but I like that they kind of signaled with this 14th pick that, Hey, we are, we're trying to win moving forward.
0: Yeah, that's definitely fair. I just, I, I can't get in on Obagi because he's projected as a three and D and I'm skeptical about the three and I'm skeptical about the D. So uh, unfortunately, yeah, that's that's ultimately what my grade came down to. Um, in regard to Colin Sexton, I actually thought Sexton was a lock to go to Detroit because I thought they'd be the only team that would be interested in him. But now, you know, as I said, same thing with Brunson. Now they have Ivy and Cade I don't think they're going to go after Sexton. So he might have to go back to Cleveland on a qualifying offer, play behind Garland and Levert for a year, then be unrestricted next year. Unless a team like San Antonio, after they trade DeJounte Murray, wants to take a flyer on Sexton and use that cap space. That's a possibility. But it's going to be interesting because I think Sexton is the most likely player on this draft to get squeezed out of a lot of money.
1: So this is slightly off topic, and, and I don't want to stick on this too long. Where is Detroit as far as the floor? Because moving Jeremy Grant, they got a ton of cap space, and they don't really have a guy on that roster that has a big contract. After moving Jeremy Grant, is is Kelly Olenek their highest-paid player
0: right now? Ooh. I mean, they, they do have – I believe Blake Griffin's contract is now off the books as of this year. They are paying DeAndre Jordan from the Nets – Trey, but even he was $8 million. So, yeah, I, off the top of my head, I'm actually pulling up their cap sheet as we speak. But, yeah, Kelly O'Linick probably – honestly, Cade Cunningham might be the second highest-paid player just because he has a number one pick contract. Right. So, yeah, Detroit, yeah, I as I said, they're going to have upwards of $40 million. If they want to get a DeAndre Aiden or something, they can go get him. Yeah, Olinick's number one. Cade's number two, then Kemba Walker's the third highest paid guy who they're going to buy out. Yeah, <laughs>
1: it's wild to me that Kelly Olynyk is the highest paid player, highest paid player on a team. But you didn't didn't want to hit on that too long, but, uh, but we, I definitely want to discuss that with you later. But we can keep the uh, keep the draft grades going here. So who, where are we to the the Hawks
0: with AJ at the at Hawks with AJ Griffin at sixteen from Duke and Tyrese Martin from UConn at fifty one. I gave them a B plus because. <laughs> I think A.J. Griffin, again, he missed the beginning of his freshman year at Duke. He sat out his whole senior year training with his dad, who's a coach for the Raptors. And I believe he was actually had a knee injury as junior of high school, missed all that as well. So we didn't see him really play at a significantly high level because he didn't play substantial minutes at Duke when, in the beginning of the year, coming off an injury and missing two years. So he's a guy that, He used to be very athletic, and those injuries have sapped some of that athleticism. If he could get that back, he's already a top 10 shooter in the world. Like for his career between the EYBL circuit, between high school, between his year at Duke, he's like a 45% three-point shooter. So he's an elite, elite, elite shooter, and that's something Atlanta needed. Trey Young is a very inefficient shooter. Just because he has range doesn't mean he's a good shooter, and that's a problem that a lot of people need to – Realized with Trey Young. Bogdan Bogdanovich, Kevin Hurt are both good but not great shooters. DeAndre Hano, good but not great shooter. Same thing with John Collins. And then Capello, Kongu, don't shoot at all. So now that you have an elite shooter in the fold, I think that changes the entire dynamic for this Hawks team. And again, if you could get that athleticism back that he seemed to lose, we're talking about like a lot of people compared to AJ Griffin and Jimmy Butler just because of how good he used to be on defense because of his athleticism. But imagine Jimmy Butler could shoot 45% from three. I think that could be the ceiling. Some guys, I know like the guys from the Upside Swings podcast who I'm friendly with, they both had A.J. Griffin top three or top four on their board, and those guys are really good at what they do. I trust their evaluation. So getting Griffin at 16, I think, is a home run. So that's why I give them an A-. minus.
1: Yeah, Don, no, I like it. I think getting him there in a lot of mocks before this draft happened, he was a top 10 I saw him in a number of places. If I'm not mistaken, I think that basketball news, which is uh, Matt, Matt Babcock and a number of different people over there, I think they had him around, uh, around eight, maybe seven or eight. Um, and that when you get that type of talent falling to you at sixteen, you just take it. And the Hawks have done that two years in a row. They Jalen Johnson fell to him, fell to them at twenty, and then they got Sharif Cooper in the second round last year. Two years in a row, they've got extreme talent late in the draft and so you know kudos to them I I like I like Griffin and you know playing off the ball being able to knock down those shots that's going to unlock another level for Trey and that is something you know you mentioned that the other guys being good not great shooters when you have a threat like that that extra half step that that defender is going to stay closer to him gives Trey Young that that opening to where if that defender comes that half step off of Griffin then Trey can distribute him the ball and he's going to knock down the three. Or if he doesn't come off that half step to help, that's going to give Trey the window enough room to finish because he is very elite at that, even though he's not an efficient shooter. So it's, yeah, this is a home run pick for them, in my opinion.
0: I agree. Okay. And then the Bulls at 18 took Dalen Terry. I gave it a B minus. I was actually on Ethos Bulls with Trey and Keith over the weekend. And basically – uh, forgive me for whoever tweeted this, but Trey basically read a thread that he saw on Twitter that basically Dalen Terry is – or that Zach Levine is a 97 percentile cutter getting to the basket. And Dalen Terry was the best player in this draft at finding guys who were cutting into the basket. So, again – if Zach Levine's your best player, your building block, why not get a guy that compliments him well? Dalen Terry, I think, is also Lonzo Ball Insurance. He's a big playmaker. He played point guard at Arizona more by necessity than anything, but a big wing who could pass well. I mean, that's something that Chicago could definitely utilize.
1: Uh, Isaac and I, and uh, for you, for those of you that don't know, Isaac is my co-host on the Ethos Grizzlies podcast. We were discussing this earlier the Grizzlies gave up a ton to move up to pick number 19. And they, of course, gassed up LaRavia. They pick him there, and they're like, he was our guy. But I just, I'm not buying it, man. I think that they made that move in hopes that Dalen Terry was going to be there at 19 because his, his attitude, his confidence, the stuff that he does on the basketball floor is tailor-made to this Grizzlies team, and I, I love the pick for Chicago. I hate it because I wonder if he's on the board at 19, if they don't, you know, go ahead and take him there and then try to get back up to 23 to take uh, take LaRavia. Um, but I, I loved Daylon Terry. He, he was a guy that was – you know, further down the board earlier in this draft cycle. And when we covered him on the Ethos Grizzlies podcast, I said because of his size and, and length and his ability to play with or without the ball in his hand, he's a guy that you're going to see rise up the board. And then here he is going 18th to Chicago. I love the pick for them. I think that he is going to be a guy that's in the league for a while.
0: Yeah. And again, a good pick for the Bulls. He's, I think, exactly what they needed. In regard to the same thing with Griffin, adding a different dynamic to Atlanta, he adds a different dynamic to that Chicago team. So let's talk about Minnesota, then we'll talk about the Grizzlies, since you brought them up. Um, these two teams obviously made a draft night trade, so they kind of go hand in hand. Basically, Minnesota traded um, – Minnesota traded – what was it? Memphis traded 22 and 19 – to 22 and 29 to get 19 from Minnesota. And then Minnesota traded 29 and two seconds to move up to 26 to get Wendell Moore. And then they traded 40 for 45 and the next 20, 23 seconds. And then traded 48 for 20, 26 second. So they, they, they were very active on draft night. Um, they ended up with Walker Kessler, 22, who honestly, I thought it was undraftable. Uh, I don't think Walker Kessler is going to be any good in the NBA. Um, Wendell Moore, 26, I did like for them. Josh Mine out of 45, I love for them. And Mateus Bagnolo, I'm assuming he's going to be a drafted session. They drafted at 50. I ultimately gave them a C+, because while I did like the other three picks, the first guy that they took, I think is going to be a disaster. I mean, I get it. You wanted a defensive big man, because that's not what Carl Anthony Towns is but I, I just don't think Walker Kessler, I think he's too slow. I don't think the shot ever comes around. I think the he was the national defensive player of the year in college. I think he's going to get eaten alive in the NBA. And I know you just talked about usually college defense transits to the NBA. I think this is one of the few situations where it doesn't. I think my knots, who they took at 45, is going to be the best defensive prospect that the Timberwolves drafted.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that take. Um Kessler was not a guy. Um, I, I was involved in a number of community mock drafts. So I, I think I got in with the guys from um, No Ceilings on one. Um, and, and then the Grizzly Bear Blues team, they done a mock draft. I got in on that. There, there were a number of different guys that I got in. And people kind of, they, they I mocked me because I'm like, Kessler's not a first-round talent. Like, he, he's not at all – He's going he's gonna to get drafted because he's a seven-footer. And, like, the league, since it's been around, if you're seven foot tall, you're going to get an opportunity in this league. And I think that's the only reason he got drafted here. There's talks of, you know, maybe shifting Cat to the four and then getting a guy that can play alongside of him at the five. But Kessler, in my opinion, is not it. I love Minot out of Memphis he was a guy he was on my top 10 list for guys that I would hope that the grizzlies would get um not not that I wanted them necessarily to take him in the first round but because they had three picks they ended up trading and getting a fourth pick um i, I he's a, a plus defender already he can handle the ball extremely well and his shot was a concern because he only took 14 threes so 14 three point attempts at memphis and people are like, "Well, can he shoot? Can he not shoot?" And then you see him at the combine, just knocking them down, like looking smooth. The release looks good, and he just, you know, ripping the net, looking like a pure shooter. And then you see—I um, follow his brother on Twitter, and his brother posts videos of him working out. You know, after leaving Memphis, and you just see him knocking down these shots over and over and over again. And it's like, yeah, I really like this kid. So that is something. I think that that ends up being the best pick that they made in this draft. I don't dislike Wendell Moore, you know, getting him there at 26. I think that he's going to be a, a decent NBA player, but out of the, the people that they got in this draft, Minot is my
0: favorite prospect by a long shot. Yeah, no, I definitely get behind that. So let's talk about the Grizzlies. As I said, you all the hosts of the Ethos Grizzlies podcast. Um, and, and we talked about this a little bit last night when um, I was on your pop. So essentially, what the Grizzlies did was they traded 22, 29, and the Anthony Melton for 19 and 23. And then they guaranteed $7 million to Danny Green's contract to get the Melton trade done. Um, don't really like it. If I mean, Memphis is very good at what they do, they're great at finding talent, they're great at developing talents. But Laravia, I think, could have been, should have been there at 22. And I think the fact that Ravia, everyone thought he was 22 years old. Then it came out the night before the draft that he's only 20 and that Google had his birthday wrong. I think the Grizzlies panicked and said, he's not going to be there 22 now. We need to get our guy in 19. And the Grizzlies are known for doing that, going trading up to get their guys. And they're very good at it. So Ravia, again, these are very raw rankings. Arabia could absolutely prove us wrong or prove me wrong at least. But and Roddy at 23. I, I don't see, I, I, I didn't have a first round grade on him either. So taking those guys in 19 and 23, I thought they were both reaches. Kennedy Chandler was okay value at 38, especially if Tyus Jones leaves. I just thought Kennedy Chandler wouldn't go in the first round, which he didn't, because last year we saw Sharif Cooper, who was a superior prospect, but just as small as Kennedy Ivy, or excuse me, Kennedy Chandler was. He ended up going in the I think 49 to Atlanta, as we talked about. And Vince Williams and BCU at 47, I do like that value, but ultimately I gave the Grizzlies a C minus.
1: Yeah, I, I'm I'm right there in that same area. C. Um, I, I don't know that I like the prospects, and that's why a lot of people have twisted. You know, you can't always tell intent via text. So social media, you don't know what somebody's intent is. I don't like what the Grizzlies done on this draft night. Zach Kleiman has been very good at managing the assets. And in a small market, you have to be able to manage your assets. I feel like he fumbled this one, not because of the guys that he took, but because of the way that he executed it. If you don't move up to 19 and LaRavia is off the board, let's say that Denver, Denver took Christian Brown at 21. Let's say that they take LaRavia in front of you. There's still a ton of talent on this board and you give up, you, you give up future assets to make these moves and you give up a guy that's a rotation player in D'Anthony Melton. And I understand he's not a guy that's a future of the team. So you're going to have to move him at some point, but I feel like they could have got a better return. But if you look at the the name of names of guys that they could have got after the, you know, at 22 and 29, you know, at, at 22, you're talking about, you know, Marjan Bochamp, Blake Wesley, Wendell Moore, Nikola Jovich, Patrick Baldwin Jr. Ty Ty actually ended up going at, at 29. I like Peyton Watson there. Um, Jalen Williams from Arkansas is a guy that went at 34. That I, I would be perfectly fine with them taking him with their second first round pick because I, I like what he brings to the table. Um, Gabriel Presida is a guy, he's a European prospect that is extremely athletic. And that's not something that you typically talk about when you talk about European prospects. Jaden Hardy, and you know, he ended up sliding down at 37. If you're asking me, would I rather them make those moves and end up with the guys that they got or take whoever's on the board at 22 and 29 and keep DeAnthony Melton, the answer is 22 and 29 and DeAnthony Melton hundred times out of a hundred. That's not a knock on Roddy. It's not a knock on Laravia. I like their picks. Uh, I'm getting ready to record. When you and I are done, I'm going to record another episode with my co-host, Isaac, and we're going to talk about these picks. I The Grizzlies have an issue with half-court offense. Laravia Ravia and Roddy both help that, both contribute. They're going to make their half-court offense better. Um, so I, I understand the fit. I like the fit with the team. I like the draft prospects. I just feel like they were a little bit ham-fisted in the way that they managed the assets.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I would have loved it if they got like Blake Wesley at 22 and Dreisman Gallons at 29 and then kept Anthony Melton. But uh, again, Klyman's always been the kind of guy to go up and get his guys. So jury's yeah. out until we see what the Ravian Roddy can do. So next we have the Denver Nuggets. They got Christian Drown at 21. They got Peyton Watson at 30. They got Ismail Kamagate at 46. Kamigate, I love. I had him 19 on my board. So getting him at 46 is great value. I think it would be an excellent backup to Nikola Jokic. And I'm not a big fan of Brown. I'm not a big fan of Watson at 21 and 30. So I give them a C-. I'm a little bit higher
1: on him, honestly. I think that Brown is a guy that can contribute year one for them. Peyton Watson is a guy they're going to have to develop. But I like his size and length and – that seems to be like the six foot seven to six foot nine inch guys with plus wingspans, uh, plus wingspan that is able to be a, a playmaker. That that is like the prototypical draft player. That's who everybody in the NBA is is hunting at this point. The the Scotty Barnes, the Cade Cunningham, like the guys that that can do those type of things. And and Peyton Watson obviously doesn't do that at as high of a level as some of these guys, but I think that he can do that and go into a team like the nuggets. I like their ability to develop talent. So, um, I I like that pick at 30. If that was their only first round pick, I probably would not feel the same way. Um, I I would say I'm, I'm closer. Maybe a a B minus C plus for them is where I would be.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Um, Philadelphia 76ers. They had pick 23, ended up trading it to the Grizzlies for D'Anthony Melton. Gave them a B. Just because I, I like Melton, he's very athletic, and he's a good perimeter defender, which are two things we definitely need, especially if we trade Matisse the this summer. But they desperately needed a wing. He's only 6'2". I don't really see him playing on the court at the same time Sardin and Maxie on the court together. So I gave them B, but no issue with the player. And I, he's going to contribute more than pick 23 would have.
1: Uh, I give it an A because D'Anthony Melton instantly becomes your best bench player. And, and I think oh, that, he's a, he's I, I think that the, the 76ers fan, they will love him. His nickname in Memphis was Mr. Do something that dude. He is all like hustle plays, you, you know, p- playing passing lanes, being disruptive. He, he is, he is not tall, but he does have a plus wingspan. And so like the height, is a little misleading because he can play much bigger than his frame and rebounds the ball. Well, Um, I'll tell you this, he is not a, you know, you see him listed as a point guard because of his height. Um, His handle is loose and that is something that scares me to death. If he's running down the floor on a fast break and there's not any pressure on him, he's going to do fine. If he's in the half court and he's trying to dribble the ball to make a play you're going to be sucking your seat up in your butt because you're scared that he's going to turn the ball over and you'll you'll get to see that that's just something that's been a problem for him I hope that he works on that in the offseason and gets better but that would be my only knock like he didn't get consistent playing time in Memphis Um, some people say that's because he's inconsistent and I would love to see him get 20 plus minutes a game somewhere to see what he's capable of
0: yeah, again, no issue with the player. It's just more so the positional need. I thought Sixers were going to get like an Eric Gordon or a Taren Strauss with this pick. But again, no complaints about the player at all. So the Milwaukee Bucks. At 24, they took G League Ignites, Marjan Beauchamp, and 58, they took Hugo Besson. I like Besson a lot. I read though are actually going to stash him. I think he's ready to play right now. He played in the NBL last year. A lot of players who came from the NBL have had a lot of success. Um, especially as rookies, such as obviously Josh Giddy and Lamelo Ball or outliers, they were top picks. But Bessone microwave score, I think he definitely could be the Bucks backup ball handler and be, you know, maybe not six man his rookie year, but you know, same idea. Um, Bochamp, I, I like his story. Don't love him as a player. I, I like him. He provides energy, he's gonna be a good defensive prospect, but I, I, don't, I don't know how often he's going to be able to play next to Giannis due to the lack of shooting.
1: That's fair. I, I like Bochamp. I like that. Uh, the defensive pairing, if you have Middleton, Giannis, and Bochamp all on the floor together, that's a lot of length and and three really good defenders. That's going to make things very, very tough on the other team. And so, you know, if you have those three on the floor and then you got two other guys that can shoot the ball, you know, it's – it's it's dangerous for, for the Bucs team. So love this draft for them. Uh Basone is a guy that, you know, like you said, I, I think that he could definitely if he ends up being a drafts and stash guy, I'm gonna be surprised because I think he can come over and play this year and, and be successful.
0: I agree with that. So Miami Heat, they took Nikola Jovic to twenty seven. I gave them a B minus just because Yovich, I actually had a bit higher than this. I think I had him like 24 on my board or 23, somewhere around there. So same tier, same range that I had him in. Heat, I love the way they develop guys. Yovich. I mean, wings that could – wings or big followers that could pass dribble and shoot usually do not fail. So the biggest issue with Yovich is, is he going to be a consistent enough shooter to be that pass dribble-shoot guy? I mean, Miami, he culture, good developing – I I, I'm confidently going to say that he will eventually be able to shoot given that he was drafted by the heat. Yeah.
1: I I loved him early in this draft process. He was a guy that I really liked for the Grizzlies at 22. Didn't think that there was a chance that he would be on the board at 22. And so for him to be on the board for the heat at 27 was surprising to me. And also kind of like a punch in the gut because that the, the, you know what he's like, is he 6'10 or 6'11? Like, he, he's a big guy with guard skills. And, you know, you don't – you're not developing this kid to be a banger in the post. He's going to be a point-forward type player. And I, I can't wait to see what that development team can do with him down there because I, I think that he is going to be an elite NBA player.
0: The Golden State Warriors, yes, they're a dynasty. Yes, they're the defending champs. It's not going to stop me from giving them a D. I, I'm not a big fan of Patrick Baldwin Jr., who they took at 28. Oh, Obviously, coming into nice the year... my heart. I don't know. He was a projected top-ten pick going into the year, but I understand he was double-team because he played in the Horizon League, and he had a point guard who couldn't get him the ball, but... I mean, sure, he's a good standstill shooter in that aspect. He reminds me of like, a Michael Porter Jr., but... He's not athletic at all. He had the biggest standing reach for a forward at the combine, but the third worst vertical among all players. How can your standing reach be that high, but your vertical is so bad? That's what I don't – and I think he had the worst lane agility out of every player on the combine as well. So he's so poor athletically, I just can't picture him staying on the court just because he's a good standstill shooter.
1: I, he's a good passer too, man. He, he really is. That is him going to the college situation that he went to just destroyed his draft value. And the 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 caliber of players that you play with makes a difference. He was the only NBA talent quite possibly in that entire league. And so, you know, the, the amount of attention that he received, you know, when he had the ball on the offensive end was just insane. So I I loved him. He was one of my favorite guys in this draft very, very early on when we were talking. We done draft coverage last year and when we gave an early proje- uh, early prediction, Patrick Baldwin Jr. was a guy that I talked about and, and I think that the Warriors got to steal with him. I, I know you're not as high on him and I, I get the concerns, but l- let's talk about Luka Doncic. Let, let, let's talk about Nikola Jokic, let's talk about guys that are in this league that are, are cooking folks that are not superior athletes. And I'm not – I can't tell you that Patrick Baldwin Jr. is going to turn into that caliber of a player because that that's um, kind of a, a few and far between type thing. But his ability to shoot and his size at 6'10", that length, he's going to be able to shoot over the top of people because of that size and length. And, and I think that his ability to pass the ball – is severely underrated because if you watch film on him playing at the university, whether it's a university of Wisconsin, Milwaukee, or whatever it was, there are a number of times when he's getting double team and he makes a fantastic pass. And then his teammate blows a wide open shot at the rim. And I can't tell you how many times I've, I've watched game film on him and saw flashes where it's like, okay, I can see where this kid was a top 10 talent and I think I think that at 28, that may go down as the still of the draft you know, in five years from now. Patrick Wall going to the Warriors at 28, and you know could be wrong. That you know when you, when you do this, it's it's almost impossible to bat a thousand. I don't know that I've ever seen anybody bat a thousand whenever it comes down to uh, to boards and talking about rookies like this. But I, I just I really I like his game. I know there's questions about his athleticism but I think that he moves his feet well enough. He's going to be a sufficient defender. Um, he, he's not going to be able to guard fast threes, but I think that he'll be okay guarding a lot of threes in the league and some fours. Uh, he's going to add weight to his frame. So he's a guy that I, I do like. Um, I don't know that I necessarily disagree with your grade, though, because I didn't get the – who was it? They got um, Ryan – it was ryan rollins was that there where would they get him at
0: they got ryan ryan rollins at 44 and Guis santos at 54
1: okay and, and i don't know um santos is not a guy he's not coming over this year right no. do, do you know no. yeah okay That's, i haven't that heard anything kind of but a,
0: i can't imagine so
1: okay yeah so you know I, i'm yeah, I, I'm fine with giving. like I know you're not high on Patrick Baldwin. I like him a lot. My grade, you said you give him a D. Um I'd probably be a little more generous and give them a C here because I do like uh I do like Patrick Baldwin junior enough to to not drop them below that.
0: I mean, if there's a team that's definitely going to be able to develop him, it's gonna be them. So we'll have to see. Um, the Toronto Raptors, Christian Coloco at thirty three. I mean, the Raptors need a center, but Precious Achua played really well in the playoffs last year and really well at the end of the year. So I don't know how big of a need a center really is for them. I mean, Coloco, I do like. He's a good defensive prospect. He's huge. I already know how you feel about him, that he's not even an NBA player that was draftable. So, I mean, I, I give him a C. I don't love it. I don't hate it. It's whatever I guess was a position to need. So, yeah, that- that's about it.
1: Yeah, I'm it's an F for me, dude. Like I, I know. Like Coloco, to, yeah. Yeah, he he's not going to be a switchable defender. The only thing you're going to be able to do defensively with him is play drop, and he is going to be like his drop he's going to have to drop so far back so they don't blow past him that it's going to give them wide open mid-range jump shots, and I know Analytically, as a defense, you would much rather them take that mid-range than get to the rim, or you would much rather them take that mid-range than shoot the three. But I, I feel like he's just going to be barbecue chicken. Anytime that he gets switched onto a guy that, you know, a, a one, two, or three in the league, he's going to get cooked. And his offensive game is gonna de- it's gonna hinge on the guards. Like he doesn't have much in his offensive bag either. I I he couldn't have landed in a better spot because well, m- maybe you could argue Miami as far as developing talent, but Toronto always seems to find a way to get the most out of their guys. And so maybe they turn around, maybe they're able to turn him into something, but I have zero faith that he's going to have any type of NBA career at all. I think that he's a guy that that is out of the league in two to three years.
0: Yeah, that, that's definitely Phil. We'll have to see what kind of contract Toronto gives him and whether – they give him two full guaranteed years or, yeah, you know, rookie contracts usually two plus two and then team options on the next two. So we'll have to see. Um, Los Angeles Lakers took Max, Max Christie at 35. I gave them a B plus. I know that Christie only shot 32% from three at Michigan State, but that really doesn't tell the whole story. To me, he's like a Landry Shamit type where, and my dog has a strong opinion on him apparently. But um, <laughs> the
1: snow dropping the knowledge back there.
0: Yeah, apparently she's a Lakers fan. So um, Landry, again, he's a Landry Shamit type guy. And that's what the Lakers need. They they need guys in between Westbrook and LeBron that can really shoot it. And again, I know the percentage wasn't great in Michigan State, but he's one of the better shooters in this draft, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I, I like it. Um, I, I know Corbin was super disappointed on draft night because Jaden Hardy was still on the board and they go with Christie here. But I'm a huge believer in Tom Izzo in Michigan State. He has turned out some of the best NBA talent. So a lot of a lot of good players have come out of Michigan State. And I think that Christie is a guy that slides in perfectly for what the Lakers need.
0: Yeah, and again, a little raw. So he could kind of help you contribute right away, but he could also, you know, be a developmental project where you know he's still someone tapped upside, so it's a happy medium for the Lakers. There, um, I ultimately gave them a B plus for the Mavs. Speaking of Jaden Hardy, I give them an A minus. I mean, Jaden Hardy was someone when he sounded G League Ignite. He was a projected top five pick in this draft. So um, to get him at thirty seven, they only the Mavs had to trade at twenty twenty four seconds and twenty twenty eight seconds. I don't know why Sacramento didn't just take Hardy for themselves. They would rather have two most likely late seconds as long as Luka Doncic is in Dallas. But I mean, that's Sacramento being Sacramento. So for the Mavs, I give them an A minus.
1: Yeah. I don't know what Sacramento's, um, like what their roster situation is, but that was definitely head scratching to me as to why they, they moved this pick for two future picks. And, and I guess technically, you know, if you said, if you, flip those picks into something different. If you use those to package to, to go out and get a guy to help make your roster better, then okay, you're, you're stacking assets. You have two instead of one. But if they don't, if they execute those picks, what are the chances that the guy they're going to get is going to be better than Jaden Hardy? And, and I think that the answer to that question is slim to none. So a yeah, head-scratching move by Sacramento – Love it for Dallas, you know, especially with, with the, the news on Brunson likely leaving. That gives him, a, you know, another kind of popcorn scorer guy to come off the bench. And, uh, you know, maybe we see him, because of that G League Ignite experience, maybe we see him contributing on a playoff team early on.
0: And Jaden Hardy actually is one of the better handles in this draft. So, you know, he could be in those 3 goal lineups with Dinwiddie and Luca the same way Brunson was. So, we'll have to see. Um, the Clippers – took Musa Diabate at 43. Don't love him. Don't hate him. I just, the Clippers are so deep. Whoever they drafted wasn't going to get any significant minutes anyway. So I, I suppose they took the guy that was the best developmental projects. But again, behind Evika Kazubach they don't really have a center. Now that John Wall's getting the taxpayer on level there, they're going to have to let Isaiah Hardenstein walk. So mm-hmm. Bring him mentors, maybe, maybe. maybe Diabate gets some minutes there early on, but I, I give them minus. C-.
1: Yeah. Yeah, this was the the fit thing, you know. I don't think that they planned on retaining Hartenstein. Um, I, I would love to see Memphis make some moves and uh, and and get a guy like Hartenstein on the roster. I think that uh, I think that he he is a he's a good player. He can pass well out of the post, um, extremely efficient, very smart player. Um, you need guys like that to win championships, and and it's just. John Wall gives him a point guard if he's healthy, but we haven't really seen John Wall and whatnot. Is it going on three years? We we haven't seen John Wall, so um, at at this age, what is John Wall going to be able to bring you? And is it going to be more than what Hartenstein did? And, and I don't know. You know, it, it's quite possible that it is, but uh, it just seems weird to me. So. And stuff.
0: To- I mean, they John Wall. Yes, his game was predicated on speed and athleticism, but he was such an elite playmaker with such good court vision. Those aren't going to age. So sure, he's not the player he once was because of that speed and athleticism. But if you could find all the shooters around him wide open, he's going to be able to do that. So the Clippers des- desperately need a playmaking. I actually really like John Wall for them. I-, I thought even before he was bought out that it was a lock that he went there. Um. To me, the Clippers are just about the favorites to win it all next year. So that, that might be a little ambitious, but as long as Kawhi Leonard and Paul George stay healthy, they're just so deep. Wing depth is the hottest commodity in the NBA, and they have so much of it. Uh, I really do like, and again, Steve Ballmer could buy, my friend told me a stat today, and I actually had to look it up to confirm it. Steve Ballmer could buy all of the 29 teams in the NBA and still have $15 billion left over. That's how rich he is. So he's going to just, you know, pay the tax, do whatever he has to do to continue to put a contender around Kawhi and Paul George.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, I, for Clippers fans, you know, as a Grizzlies fan, obviously, I want to see the Grizzlies win a title, but I'm hoping that the Bomber is able to find this team a championship after so many years of that franchise being kind of laughing stock of the league. You know, he, he bought this team and he has been, trying to put winning teams together since he's bought it. So, yeah, that this Sean Wall move, you know that he's not going to be afraid to spend money because he's got plenty of it. And, you know, if you're competitive, it's going to increase the value of your franchise. So, yeah, good. good. I, I don't, you know, Diabate, I I don't think that he's a guy that you're really going to see rotation-wise. I think that, that you'll see them run a small lineup. Um, is is Morris still under contract with them, or is he a free agent this year? I don't oh, know what he's, he's done.
0: Morris is under contract, but Batum is a free agent,
1: even though it's likely that he signs there. Yeah, Batum, he already opted out, right? He opted out of his player option for this year. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's good. Man, I, I'm ready for next year to start already, which, you know, like I said, we're, we're not far away from the summer league. So looking forward to that. And then we're going to have that big lull in between the end of summer league and, and the start of the regular season where it's like all hands on deck getting ready for fantasy redraft season. I uh, can't, can't wait for that, man. It's, it's going to be great.
0: Yeah. And then finally the Boston Celtics 53 to JD Davison. I give them a C minus. I mean, 53, are probably not going to hit anyway and they need a playmaking. That's what they got, even though he's probably not going to be a rotation player to begin with, but I wasn't a big Davison fan. So I gave them a C minus. I mean, again, don't really have much to say about him, but I, I don't know. I, I just still not love the pick for Boston.
1: Yeah. Th- there were some guys that went undrafted that, uh, uh John Montero is a guy that went undrafted.
0: Oh, Alondis Williams, considering any playmaking. And him yeah. and Montero were well, the two best passes probably in this draft.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and so I didn't, I, I don't, I don't dislike Davidson, says Davidson so much, but I think that either one of those other two guys would, would have been a better option.
0: Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. So, okay, then we, we got through every single pick of the draft, graded everyone. And again, these grades are going to change drastically as the years go on. So, David, you said you're recording all the podcasts tonight. Where can people find your work?
1: Uh, so, I am on Twitter at NBA NBADWILL21. You can follow me there. I'm always talking about basketball stuff. Love the draft. Talk about prospects a lot. Talk about the Grizzlies a lot. Obviously, that, that's my team. But uh, I enjoy good basketball conversation. So, come find me. Follow me there. And then the uh, the show is anywhere that you can get podcasts, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere. It's uh, it's the Ethos Grizzlies, Sports Ethos Grizzlies podcast. Uh, you can find the show on Twitter at Ethos Grizzlies. Um, come, come follow us, man. We're, we're building good stuff. We, we have worked our way into becoming credentialed media members uh, with the NBA. So we have to go in. We're in on the press conferences, uh, talking to the players, asking them questions, doing all that stuff. Um, it's been fantastic. And, you know, we're going to keep giving you as much information as we can get and covering and loving this team. So, man, I, I thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure. I enjoy. I appreciated you coming on last night. And, and I thank you for uh, returning the favor and let me come on this show. And I had a lot of fun doing this.
0: Yeah, no problem. Um, and again, David and I were on the Sports Ethos live stream during the draft. So if you want to see our live reactions during each pick, you could go check that out on Sports Ethos's YouTube page. You guys can find me on Twitter at Bird Rights Pod, Rate and review me on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. And we will talk to you guys next episode.